Daily Gay Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon coming to you after the Boston Marathon Death March. And I'm here <laughs> with Lou Blasey. And I have a smile on, but I really just, you know, want to cry. Not because I did bad, but because I'm in a little pain today. Yep. As Lou knows, because we were just talking about it, I am. When's the worst day? What what is the worst day? When's the worst day? Is it the day of the race? Is it the day after the race? Is it well, two days after the race? When's the worst well, day? Well, typically when you're not injured, like you knew I was going into yeah. this, it's you know, like the day, but the it's like today. Yeah. It would be today. Right. But uh, my injury is the issue. So as you know. Yes. So because I feel great other than the spot I have my injury, which was very interesting. So today we're going to talk about the marathon because we're going to talk about mental fortitude and mental toughness and and athleticism and how it crosses over into real life. And just so we start, I did finish. It wasn't pretty, but here's the proof because uh, I did finish and I will be revamping my whole shoe and my whole foot, etc. for next year. I have some work to do on my feet. I was going to say, what's next? Surgery? Uh, no. No? No. No. I just, I'm very wed to Nikes. And so I have to give up my Nikes because they are not made for the issue I'm having. And just do it. And <laughs> just do it. Yep. So I'm not sure which way I'm going yet, but I've definitely got consults down the chute because people are like already chiming in on. I haven't posted up anything yet about the marathon. Yesterday was a day off for me. I wished I had taken today off as well, not from this, but from. Mm -hmm everything just to recoup because I was on my feet for a long time. You need a shoe deal. Do you have a shoe deal? Well, I know. I want a shoe deal though. She can agent. Get a I, shoe deal. I, help set me up. <laughs> I don't know any agents. <laughs> so I, I know agents, but you know, but so I can't do Brooks. I've done Brooks. They're too heavy. I can't do Sauconies. Can't do New Bounds. They're too narrow. Oh, okay. So we're going to work on it. So that's the thing. But so nonetheless, it was the most Perfect. So it was great. It's a great day. Yeah. It was a beautiful day. Hence, if you are watching, you can see that I'm burnt. My face is bright red and I'm all puffy because the not only was it beautiful and sunny, but it was really windy and it was a headwind the whole way, which oh. is always typical for Boston, which I never underestimate Boston for being a headwind. And as the day progressed and the longer I stayed out on the course, um, yeah, the wind started whipping and now I think I have a cold from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, but the great parts of it were that my training was pretty good this year. I had my nutrition was like spot on. I didn't have any issues with salt, hydration. Like it was perfect. And if you're tracking me, like I, my goal was not to go out and like do some crazy time this year. My goal, because I was already coming off of this injury right. in October from doing the Boston Marathon in October. So I've been nursing it a little bit. So my goal was just to finish, but not finish like in pain. Well, that didn't happen. So, <laughs> so, um, so no cramping, no, I, I had no issues. Like I, even to like, when you see me walk, like I just walked up the stairs and Stephanie was like, Oh, Kim, you finished the marathon. And she was like, Oh, is it your closet? No, it's my foot. So, it's yeah, it's my right foot. So what I was describing to everyone was that, you know, when I run and I overpronate, which is, you know, I turn in on my feet, my right foot has lost its arch over the past, you know, probably decade because I'm getting older yep. and I'm wed to those shoes, which tend to be flatter and not stability shoes. Um, uh, yeah. So I was overpronating, which changes your gait and whatever. And I can see it in pictures now in all these years that I've been actually doing that since probably I was little. Um, so now 
it's sending this referral pain up the side of my foot called the navicular bone. And it's very swollen. And my whole entire foot was large and numb by mile 50. I was great till mile 15. I mean, it was, I was going, I mean, everyone said that they were watching and tracking and no, you know, only and, 11 miles to go at that point. And it was great in mile 15. <laughs> I started to feel a little bit of my foot start to have a little pain. And I told one of my friends I saw on the side, she's like, how are you doing? And I was like, Oh, foot starting. So, and then I had, so the reason why I'm talking about it to this extent is because this is like life. You have to make multiple plans. <laughs> There's going to be a plan A or plan B, plan C, because in my head, I started going through, okay, if it gets worse, what am I going to do? Because I'm not quitting yep. and you know me, I don't quit. Um, you know, I'll crawl. Yep. I will roll. <laughs> I will do whatever it takes to finish. Um, and uh, yeah, and my my next plan was, and it was getting colder and I was like, I'll just take off my shoes, but it was getting colder. So I didn't know how that was going to impact my foot getting frozen, but it was already numb anyways. Yeah. So my numb, my foot was so numb and then my other foot started. And so, cause I was compensating, it was just, woo. so mile 15 to 16 and then by 18. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes. So now did I, that change your gait further? I mean, I'm gu guessing once your gait is changed, it, that takes a big punch out of your training. It does. Yeah. It well it changes everything. Cause yeah. You know, and it's weird because in my long runs training up to that point, I didn't have any problems per se until like two weeks ago when I went and started getting it or three weeks ago when I started getting a little bit more rehab on it. Yeah. But I think it's just because I've been using it so much. And so then I was like, oh, it's the shoe. And no, it's I've got a it's a it's a variety of things. So yeah. so it was not my best finish, but time is of no matter as you know, all I want to do is finish. And right. And um, that is one of the biggest pieces that I want to talk about today is I had tons of people out on the course that didn't know me that, and as you know, I was smiling the whole way because you have to make a decision. You can be miserable yep. or you just walk through it. And there was no way that last five miles I was just going to quit. And people were like, you can quit. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. You know? So, I mean, my foot's already numb and Marty in pain and it's mind over matter and just go. And, you know, and so I ran it in and at the end, but, oh, uh, it was, yeah. it was a lot. So I couldn't wait to get my shoes off. And so I went yesterday to get treatment on it. And he was, it, my doctor was like, Oh my, <laughs> my <laughs> foot was large. So had you established there was no chance of further damage? It was just, it was just barking for what the damage already was. Yeah. In your, yeah. Just yeah. It's so inflamed what, so what he said, so that I'm not self-diagnosed. He said that my whole um, like I had broken a lot of capillaries in it because of the constant repetitive, like overpronation. And then it got swollen because the lymphatic system got swollen and then it just went numb. So it was like, you know, cause all I wanted to do is cut my feet off. Yeah. Cause the rest of me was fine. <laughs> and that was, that was so, so it's this head game of, and here's the mental fortitude, right? It's the head game of, Oh my God, I'm, I didn't have to stop to go to the bathroom. I was hydrated. I was, I, I know this sounds really gross, but as an athlete, when you run, um, you tend to have to either pee or you have to throw up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I had to do neither, which is like, means that I'm spot on, you know, like as an athlete, if you've got some off, you have the, not this year. I mean, so it was so good. I had all these things in place, but my foot, I was just holding out for that. And so the mental fortitude that comes in of being able to just run through it, which is what I did. Well, I walked through it and I, I ran and walked and ran and walked. Oh, and at the beginning, 
I, I'm going to back up. So in the Boston Marathon this year, there's 30 something thousand runners. And I was in the first corral. So I think there's roughly a thousand people per corral mm-hmm. and there's five or six corrals, whatever. So there's like 6,000 people behind me in my, in my heat yep. or in my wave. And people notoriously at the Boston Marathon, because it's straight downhill when you come out for the first two miles, come flying out of the right. gate. Now, since this was my eighth one in a row, I know not to do that. And so I was out on the course like a couple weeks ago and I trained on it just to come out slow and come out, you know, nice, nice and paced. And I absolutely couldn't do that at all this time because I was being pushed like to go faster. And I always find a spot, but people were, so I got tripped three times. Oh, wow. Which is, I'm sure a million other people have those stories too. So tripped up, people stepping on the back of your heel, getting so cut. It's too much of a pack for you to pick your own so pace. It's so crazy. Yeah. And everyone's got to get there because they're going to win, which is not true. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so I came out a little too fast just because I was being pushed by the heat, you know, which, you know, and I try to crank it back, which if you, you probably saw some of it, that I was fine up until mile 15. Yep. And then, and then all of a sudden, we, and that's where I was doing great. And then it wasn't. So. But this gets us to, and it sounds cliche, and all cliches are cliches because they're true. Right. It's mind over matter. Right. Yeah. This is the basic game. It, well, and that's the thing. So, he, uh, yes, people have asked me just in the past 24 hours. And by the way, to everyone that has sent me messages and I haven't gotten a chance to um, respond to because I was literally down for the count yesterday, just nursing my life. And hi, Amy. Um and Amy, Amy just responded. Amy did it too. Okay. And so yep. Amy, this was her second Boston Marathon and she did it too. And she did a great job. Um, and so uh, I just got off track because I was thinking about Amy. Yep. Um, but uh, if you are mind over matter, if you know that you can, if you let go of the the expectation of this big win or this big time, which is what everyone always asks which is the big thing, yeah. you know, like, what'd you do for time? That was the first thing the police officer asked me, like right after I she was like, Oh, what was your time? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and my girlfriend, Joanna said, finish. Yeah. <laughs> she finished. Um, well, for 95% of the people there, that's the game, right? Finishing. Well, yes. Yeah. And so, but people get caught up in marathoning with the time and don't realize that the stories that go into Everybody has a story at the marathon, including the elite athletes. Like, you know, there's, there was, um, Shalane Flanagan this year. She's an Olympic and elite level runner. She's, you know, won many, many titles and in, including, um, Boston, I think it was Boston, mm-hmm. like in my head going Boston. Um, she ran this year with, um, w- one of the Boston bombing victims who yeah. was in a prosthetic and like, there's a story there, you know, and she ran with her and trained her and like the whole thing. And it was like amazing. And then, I know tons of stories because I run with charity teams. So there's, there's a couple thousand of us. I know a lot of their stories and, you know, people come out for varieties of why do you run? You know, you don't run to finish and have this amazing time of, of a physical numerical time. It's about so many other things. Yeah. And so when people ask me my why, it's never the time, as you know, you, I've told you that yeah. it's not about time. I love that I could ever make the time, but right now it's just, it's about, me, I love the charity I run for. 
New England Patriots Foundation, which I love, love, love them. And I love what they do. And so that drives me because I know what, what my running and fundraising does. So that's actually really important to me. And then I love actually just being out there because it's so, the running community is so amazing together as a family. And so it's motivating and loving and being out on the course no one ever is there to no one ever there to put you down or to say oh you should quit or you know right. those kinds of things everyone's out there I, there was a guy i felt bad for him he was a young guy who was in a marathon recently and he walked 18 of the miles for what he was young he was in his 20s and he came up on me and then he started walking and then i started walking with him it was probably mile 20 something and uh He's like, I think I'm going to quit. And I said, there's no quitting the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And he's like, well, I, I'm I'm hurting. And I said, you don't quit. I said, you walk it. You don't just walk it. And his dad was running along the side of him. Yep. And his dad was like, tell him not to quit. <laughs> I was like, I, so I started chatting with him. We had a nice talk as we were fast walking. And then um, he was having cramping or whatever. So I said, you know, if he, he goes, I'm going to go to the medical tent. And of course, now. Here's a really important thing. If you go to the medical tent at the Boston Marathon and you stay outside the medical tent, it's may, way better than when you go inside. Because once you go inside, there's a chance you're not coming back yeah, out. Because yeah. they they like catch a band and then all of a sudden they decide whether or not you're worthy to keep running because medically. But apparently he went and got massaged. And I'm thinking, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then it would have been even slower. But um, so he and I ended up, he ended up going getting a 15, 20 minute massage um he ran back to me which you know because i was walking so he ran and caught up with me which was great and his dad and he's like he i think we had three miles left and he said i think i'm gonna quit and i looked at him and i said there is no quitting you are three miles out you crawl he's like but i might have to i'm like then you crawl you he's like and then he said well i still get a medal i said you'll still get a medal don't worry because yeah. he was over the time you know yeah. we both were there were tons of people that were over it was it was a beautiful day but people say oh it's a beautiful day it's it, it, yeah but it's still hard boston marathon course is hard mm -hmm. people say oh it's all downhill it's not it's not downhill it's yes by grade drop and elevation yes but there's a lot of hills and it's pretty hard terrain and it's it's hard on your body so any marathon is but um what do you mean when you say over the time so over the time so you start so you you're you're dropping elevation but you're climbing and dropping climbing yep. and dropping climbing and dropping all the way into boston so it's not just a downhill even though the first seven miles really is downhill um it's really a up down up down up down but you're losing elevation as you're doing it so it's hard on the body so you know, your, your first seven miles, you just try to not come out fast at all. You just kind of stay pace, which I did this year. I was, so I had a lot of goal hits this year that I was happy with. And, um, yeah, just, you know, the end goal was to finish without pain. So I finished, but I was in pain. <laughs> I was in a lot of pain. Yep. So it's going to be people like yesterday going, when are you going to go run again? I'm like, uh, I just saw runners coming in when I was coming in just now. And I'm like, you know how, when you have a drink and you've had a little too much and the yep. next day like i'm never drinking again yeah, exactly. i had that moment of funniness in my head like i'm never running again <laughs> but then i was like until next year when i do the boston marathon yeah. again so but it's going to be way different next year i'm i've already got the plan in place so like that's where my mental attitude and fortitude comes from and i think from being an elite athlete in another sport like i'm not an elite runner i'm not a pro runner i'm i know how to train runners i know how to train pro runners and elite runners i'm just not one Plus, I don't have time to do that. 
but I know what it takes to have that mindset. There's no quitting. So it's like life. It's, it's, if you want something really bad and you, and you really, um, you work hard for it. If you, if the, if the end goal is just to complete it and get it done in the best you can, that's what you do. And, you know, and I have that shirt, you've seen it before moving, keep moving forward. That's my mantra in my head. Keep it moving forward because there is no, there, there is no whining, complaining. There was no whining, complaining. There was no whatever. It's you, you roll, you crawl, you no complain, you don't quit. So, and, and I did, I did this year also, um, it was in my, my run had an an additional why was because I was running for, um, someone in our charity teams who's near and dear to my heart, who's a very good friend who is getting treatment for cancer. So, so she was, I actually was called her name multiple times as we were running because I had it on the back of my, of my shirt, um, her, you know, Susan strong and, and everyone kept calling me Susan. I'm like, I'm not Susan, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so on the front was my name, but it was really funny. Um, Oh, I have a question. I want to make sure I answer questions. How much of the mental boost is, oh, oh, that's such a good question. So for me personally, and I've had many stories over the years I've heard, but for me personally, when you're two miles out, a little over two miles, you can see the tip of the sit go sign, which is like really awesome. But when you are a mile away, you see it in full glory. (laughs) And it is like, like, you know, like, you are almost done because it is exactly one mile. It's like on the ground. It says one mile to go. It's yep. it's the Boston Strong over the bridge. It's oh, it's so great. It's so exhilarating because you know. And the crowds this year were. I was gonna say, how were the crowds? The crowds from beginning to end, even though I was on the later side of I've ever done this race, they stayed consistent throughout. And I was really surprised because it was a beautiful day. So people stayed out yep. and even coming down Boylston, it was rocking and rolling. And um, so that is really helpful. And Fenway Park obviously has a baseball game going on that lets out, right? You know, so there were lingerers and people right. and partying and drinking and that's what they do. Offering beer, of course, along the way, which ooh, I couldn't <laughs> even imagine. Um, and uh, thank you, Joanne. Thank you so much, honey. Um, and uh, I think that, and you know, the other thing too is I have to do a shout out. The Boston Police Department, they were out in force this year. We were on high alert due to some terrorist and th- bomb, uh, bomb threats, to my knowledge. And, oh, really? Um, this year, that's what I had heard mm-hmm. through the grapevine. Now, that was a grapevine. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, th- I put a shout out to them because they stood out there in force and they were so, they're always so supportive and they, they pay attention and they make sure all the runners are safe, but they also make sure they single you out. And there's a, there's thousands of them out there. Like they get them from all over to come in. They get the SWAT team to come in. Like everybody's so supportive and then you've got everybody else. So there's nothing better than this experience. Um, So I, in, in pain, but I really have no, no complaints. It's just, I know I have to revamp my running and I, I have had, so this is my eighth marathon for Boston, but I've run a whole bunch of other marathons. Um, I, I don't think I've ever run Boston without an injury. (laughs) So I've run half marathons and no injuries. I've run the Disney marathon, the Marine Corps marathon, the Chicago marathon, no injury. Um, and 
I've never had a Boston where I haven't had some injury of some sort. And it's not because of running Boston. It's just whatever's going on. So I am dedicating myself this year to revamping that so that my, I don't have to engage my mental fortitude to to the extent. Yeah. Um, But, but you've talked about everything except fixing the injury about fixing the injury. Well, I'm going to do that, but that's, that's, um, I looked at my, so Dr. Calhoun yesterday and I had a discussion about fixing the injury. I said, can we fix it? And he laughed at me. (laughs) So that wasn't really promising. He's like, well, we can't fix, fix it, but we can, we can do strengthening and we can adjust for the shoe. And, and then there's running orthotics, which I did put in this year, um, which a lot of people run with. So I just need to, I need to revamp and then I will do it in the next week of, of, I will continue on the treatment path that I'm on with this amazing doctor. Who's the orthopedic sports person for, he was for the Boston marathon. He does tons of athletes. He and I work together and, um, and he will, inevitably so is, fix my foot to some amazing degree and then does I will, this involve stride changes and things like that because... um it will probably involve some stride changes and adjustments to it once i get the right shoe right. i'm thinking that getting the right shoe with the right orthotic is going to really help that which i've known i've actually known that for a while but i'm i'm stubborn stubborn yeah <laughs> and i really like my shoe yeah but my shoe doesn't like me. And so I think that instead of thinking it was all these other things, it's really the shoe. So um, this is such a great analogy for you because the marathon is um, has is touted uh, physical endurance. And obviously there's physical endurance involved, but this is mental endurance as yeah. much as physical endurance Well, and for so, everybody. And, well, and that's the thing is whether you're at the front of the pack and you're an elite runner and you're, and I didn't see the, you know, I never get to see the finishers because I'm always starting hours later from them because that's when we start. But I then go back and read, I rewatch the reels and everything. And like they were neck and neck. And my really good friend um, from Kenya, she came in third overall. Um, she really wanted to be first, but, you know, but they were like, I think less than three seconds apart. Yeah. It's like boom, boom, boom. The athletic tolerances are so small. It it comes down to the mental approach. Right. Yeah. And they were, they were jockeying for a physician all the way down Boylston. So it was really, and it's, so whether you're at that level or you're at the other level in between or, or on the backside, it's really about putting your mind to it and overcoming each thing that presents itself. That's why I block and, and, you know, put everything into blocks and checks as I'm running. Like I do three miles then pass that through, then three miles, then pass that through, and then three. So I break it out to meet a goal at each, and it's not a time goal. It's usually, can I keep the stride the same? Can I keep my breath the same? How am I feeling? Body checks and all those things, you know. But in this case, by the time I got to mile 16, it was just about, like it wasn't October. It was walk really fast and just yep. finish. And so... um and fortunately, people focus on the marathon itself in that day, but they don't focus on the training. And the training is just as much about mental training as it is physical training. Yeah. And I and I don't think I was working with um, a couple athletes. I was training a couple athletes for this um, marathon this year, as I always do. And um, they did they did pretty well. One didn't do as well as she wanted to, but I thought she did great because I think everybody that finishes is, is perfect, yeah. spot on. But she really we worked on her mental space a lot because she got into her head. And if it wasn't on point, like if she wasn't at 
the 10 mile mark and it wasn't at this time, then she would fall apart. Like she, yeah. you know, we really worked hard on not focusing on the time as much as if you stay this, this gate. And if you stay with the mindset and you have these mantras and you had, I had all these things in place for her and she did really well. She did really, really well. Um, and she, it, she ended up PRing. So that's, you know, she personal record herself yep. for it and qualified for Boston. So again, so, but she gets in her head and beats herself up in a way different way than I do. <laughs> because yeah. of of her of her style but it does come down to sticking to the mental push and over and over and over again of really having to um talk to yourself yeah uh because you know it's it's hard out there it's very different than doing you know chicago chicago's flat it's an all flat marathon um it's very different and your mindset's different you still have to have a tough mindset because you still have to finish but flat is different than hills yeah um and having to go up and down heartbreak hill heartbreak hill is not one hill it's four mm -hmm. and for people that have never known that and they always talk about it famously around the world that oh heartbreak hill heartbreak hill is four hills but it just happens to be that at mile 20 to 21 is the last big push and that is heartbreak hill because it's heartbreaking yeah because after you've done the, the first three it's like oh and then people don't realize after you get up and over the top of that it's a rolling hill, flat, rolling hill, flat into Boston for five miles. And it's a lot. Yeah. So um, there were a lot of interesting stories this year. I saw a lot of people in the medical tent more than on the year, actually more than on the years that I, that I was in those snow and sleet and freezing rain. I actually saw more people there this year. Then and I'm imagining it's having to do with I imagine I don't know this and I'm certainly going to I always fact check and see what's going on but I imagine it's because it was warm and it was really warm and then it got really cold hence the cold that I think I now have because of it because oh I got yeah. really cold and had to grab a very large oversized jacket to put on me from uh, John and Abby had it and threw it at me because I was freezing because it got really, really cold um, and it started out beautiful, but you know. Plus I'm guessing there was an adrenaline rush here because this is the first normal marathon in a couple of years. Right. People well, yeah, first normal one be... back in April. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, the one the one that looks like a traditional Boston right. marathon, it's been a couple of years since we had one of those. So I'm guessing exactly. everyone was a little bit pumped coming out too and probably started too strong. Well, and that's what happened, I think, at the beginning for me. Not that I came out strong, but I was I think that people were so overzealous at the beginning because they were so excited. Yep. And I think there were a lot of first timers and first newbies coming out and hadn't run it before. And in that exhilaration, those first two miles, it's so easy to just take off and then yeah. you're spent. That's why I got tripped three times. Mm -hmm. This time, though, I didn't go down. I've been dropped to the ground before in those first two miles. I was going to say. Yeah. I have been dropped to the ground when I ran it with um, Catherine Switzer in 2017, right before Ashley and I got pushed by a guy coming out of the woods from going to the bathroom and bled the whole way to Boston. Yeah. See, see that you get the injury. It changes your gait. That right. negates a lot of your training. It's like, it's right. A, that's a mess. That was a good year though, because right at the end when the EMT saw me, he says, do you know that you're bleeding? I said, I imagine I am. And so he said, do you want me to fi you know, fix it, patch it up? I said, sure. Little did I realize that my pant leg and my little capris were stuck to it. Yeah. And yeah. he just, he knew and he just, he didn't tell me. He just ripped it off. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he goes, well, if I had told you, you wouldn't let right. me do it. So, yeah. you know, there's gravel stuck in my knee. It was, it was quite something. But I just, but if I had stopped, I knew if I'd stopped, I would be done. 
And I think that's what happens. I saw a lot of people stop and be done. And I think, you know, I'd love to have the interview with them going, what, what was going on in your head that you couldn't keep going? I know a a really good friend of mine um, stopped. I think she reported that she stopped at mile 10, did not finish it. We call it DNF. Um, She said, I, I read something on Facebook that she just wasn't feeling right. She wasn't feeling good some, you know, whatever. And so she stopped, but you know, she has great mental fortitude, but I imagine that with her, it was probably just too painful or, or whatever it was. So it's got to be hard because you don't go to the marathon without having completed the distance. So, you know, you can, right. So that decision has to be tough. It's one thing, somebody just doing a marathon for the first time, right. Saying I'm not doing this, but you've accomplished the distance before probably multiple times. Right. It's got to be tough to let go. Well, and she had, so in particular, she has, and I don't know if people can understand. I don't, I'm trying to think of an analogy would would equate. If it's if it's any other marathon, like if I was out in Chicago, if I was out in California, at Big Sur or whatever, and something was going wrong, I would DNF. Yep. I wouldn't push it because it wouldn't be worth it. But you don't do that at the Boston Marathon because the Boston Marathon is the marathon. Yep. Unless you're doing the marathon in Greece, you don't quit the Boston Marathon. There is such a, you know, but if you have to, there's no shame in that. Right. And I think people really get struggled in their head with, if I don't finish, it's embarrassing. If I finish at a poor time, you know, over six hours. Well, unfortunately, I finished over six hours this year because I could barely walk. Well, (laughs) and I have no shame in saying that because it wasn't about the time for me. It was, I just needed to finish so that I could feel like I I wouldn't, it, it just, the, the headspace just wouldn't set right with me. If, you know, you know, if three miles in, if I was injured and I had to stop for something, that'd be different, but three miles out and I quit, that's a problem. Well, people don't run the Boston marathon on a whim. No, they've got a year's worth of training. In. Right. So it's, again, it's just really hard to let go of that year's worth of training, all the work you put in during the 12 months leading up to this. And you're going to quit five miles out or 10 miles out. Right. Or, yeah. It's going to be hard. Well, in, in this year, just to remind people, um, and by the way, hi, Heather, thank you for saying hi and congratulations. And hi, Joe, thank you so much. Joe's a great supporter. Um, and of course, John's on talking about Abby was there being a great support this weekend. Yep. She was really good. They got to go to the finish line. They had VIP passes into the bleachers this weekend. Nice. It was awesome. Um, but uh, if um, if you are following the Boston Marathon this year, we just did in October. So we all, the majority of us just yeah, ran this in October yeah. and to turn around and run it again, you know, six months later, yep. some people are really good at doing, you know, multiple marathons in a row, but for non-pro athletes like myself on the, on this particular sport, yep. that's not, you know, I have been known to do two or three marathons a year. A couple of years ago, I would do Disney Marine Corps and something else which probably added to my foot issue, (laughs) you know, just saying. Um, But I think that um, that is a hard, there's all these factors that go into it. So when you have a year cycle, like right now, everyone will cycle out of doing training Mm -hmm. and then they'll cycle back in. Like, so um, there's people that are out there that are actually on today with me that are getting ready to go and do Chicago in October. Um, So they, they're going to take a break. Yep. And then they'll revamp up and then they'll start training again for Chicago. 
Um, Chicago training is a little bit different. I mean, training for the marathon is the same, but it's training for a different mindset of still tough, but different terrain. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to training for next year, but not right now. (laughs) So how do we take the mental aspect of this and, and apply it? Because I think people look at a mental framework and they think because what we've been shown in movies and TV is it's a light switch moment. Right. You go to a therapist, you have an epiphany at a session and it's like, oh, everything's great again. It's not the way it works, is it? It's, it's, it's training just like anything else. And it takes some time to develop a good mental mindset. Yeah. So, so to apply it, well, one, if you know a marathon, it's just like life. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's taking parts of your journey and chunking them along so that you become successful so that you get better confidence as you go along. That's why when we train for them for the marathon, especially in Boston, because we have the uh, we have the able uh, the ability to go out and train on the course. So we can run the course all year long. Yep. So we can get successful and confident on running from beginning to end if we want to. That's just like life in general. Like you get a mindset, you know, if you're in school and you want to like do really well and you want to have a great semester and you want to get a 4.0, you make sure that you put a plan in place. This is about planning. Proper planning is equals, you know, you know, I say not perfect performance, but you know, your, your most productive performance, right? So if you have proper planning, you're going to get productive performance. So the plan set in place for anything in life, this is about weight loss, um, job, uh, academics, relationships, because you're always working slowly towards the goal and the goal, once the goal's met, then there has to be another goal and people, you know, there's often a letdown after it. It's like, even if you, you know, once you finish high school or once you finish college or once we finish a marathon, it's like, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, yeah. now what? It's, you have to have the next thing in the shoot. Cause you have to have a sense of purpose. And you have something to look forward to, to go to the next thing. So that's why I'm already into my head of like, okay, I'm going to start planning for Boston next year. Um, I also, if I make the lottery, I also may do London this year. Oh, yeah. oh wow. So we'll see, but that's not for a month away. So I'll have time to fix myself. I often thought the key to this or the key to this for me in a lot of instances is attenuating focus. It's about deciding what to focus on and what not to focus Mm -hmm. on. And to keep the analogy of the marathon going, time isn't necessarily a a productive focus for people. It's, you know, it's finish, stay healthy, finish, stay strong, stick to your plan. That type of thing. Well, when most people, a couple years I was training this woman um, for the marathon a couple years in a row, and she, we got her away from talking about time because every time she was really caught up in running with time, like I'd make her run without her watch and make her run without phone yeah. because every time she focused on that, she would slow down by at least a minute or two oh, because really? she was too busy checking yep. time, checking time, checking time. So when you're lifting your wrist up and checking, lifting your wrist up and checking, that's actually slowing you down because it, one, it changes your gait, right? And it changes your mindset, and then it gets into your head if you're behind, right? Exactly. And yeah. so when you do that, you start giving up. Excuse me, I have to blow my nose. <laughs> yeah, it does. It changes your entire psychology when you're behind. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. And so, again, that's focusing on some negative aspects of your performance, right? Right, because right, you're right. So and your time isn't determined in any one particular segment of the race, right? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to stay on pace, but. Just because, right, but you can yeah. stay on pace and you can get a little off pace and still pick it up somewhere right. else. You know, yeah. you can have negative splits. There's all kinds of really cool formulas in running where 
if you're at some section and you, you know, have a little bit slower, that's okay because you can still pick it up in a different spot by doing a little bit of a change of mental and a little bit of pacing difference because you know the terrain kind of thing. Yep. So that makes that much, much easier. And that's just like life. Like you, you going through right. life, exactly the same thing is like, you're, you're going to have a certain level of ability in this spot and you might not do as well, but you know what? You're going to get through that section and then you're going to have another section and it's going to be either easier for you or it's going to be more maintained for you or you've done something different in your actual physicality or your mental ability. You know, I always think about math. Some people are really good at some math yep. and then sometimes they're not at others. And then once they get past that perfect little spot, it's like, oh, we're back into okay. You know, like geometry catches people up a lot. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, they're good. They're algebra. They're going through and then they hit geometry and it's like, what happened? Yeah. But it's like, well, that's not because you're not good at math. It's just that geometry stumps you. So you have a mentality. And I see this in my, my regular practice is that people will quit. And they'll all of a sudden have that mental narrative of I'm, um, thank you, Ken. Um, love you too. Um, <laughs> really? I do. Well, he's my cousin. I can Did say that. Sounded like you slapped him though. Oh no, I <laughs> do. Not saying I, I love you. I, well, he okay. said so proud of you. So, yeah. um, so they. So when you get to the wall, it's like the mile eighteen in the marathon. You get to algebra. You get to geometry, and I see kids drop at geometry because all of a sudden the thought of going on a calculus or trigonometry just overwhelms them because they get such in their head. It's a mental game about that. Yep. And I can speak to, I have that issue. I was in high school, just as an aside, I had a teacher who was horrific in geometry and I had a whole year of ge a whole year of geometry. Oh, and, <laughs> um, and she wasn't the most stable teacher in the world anyways. And she really liked boys more than she liked girls. And she told us that. And I'm she, bad. and, and here she is as a woman teaching math. And she told us straight out of the gate that math was really for, for men and, and girls. And I quote really should be basket weaving and being homemakers. Wow. Meanwhile, she was a math teacher. So it wow. always blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and so I, that got in my head. So I really struggled with geometry for quite some time. And then when I got into college, I forced myself because of who I am as a person, I forced myself to go back and relearn geometry on purpose so that I could relearn it correctly and had yeah. a great teacher in college help me relearn it so that I wouldn't be hating it or thinking it was something really awful or thinking that I mm -hmm. couldn't do it because she really detracted from that. And the fact that she spent most of our classes talking about how she'd met Bill Cosby twice. Oh, okay. God. All right. And I was like, so those things stick out. So yep. that's my experience of geometry. So you imagine you're out there on the field, you know, in your sport and you're working at it and everything, but you have these weird mental anomalies in your way that get in your head of someone saying something about you and that you can't do it. Hi, Kate. She calls me queen. I am queen to you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Kate just had her hair done beautifully yesterday, by the way, just a shout out to her beautiful ginger hair that got beautiful highlights in it. Nice. And so she's very happy and hopefully it doesn't look like she didn't have that done. Good. <laughs> say yes. Another uh, analogy we can bring forward here. You're talking about times and intervals and things yes. like that. You have it's. And again, it seems cliche, but cliches are cliches because they're true. It's like staying you in said the moment. That twice today, yeah, though. I know. Well, uh, because it, 
often bears repeating because people write off yes. cliches. But well, because they think they're stupid. Yeah, but they're not. They're spot on. Right. Right. That they've stood the test of time. Right. And you know about staying in the moment and staying present. You can't. You know, you spent. You can't spend the next segment worrying about the la you behind on the last segment. Right. Yeah. Well, and so that's and that's the thing that people do in general. So so let's go to golf for a second, right? And oh sure. When I for sure yeah. golf. So when I work with golfers, that's one of the ways that I work with them, and and everyone here can utilize this in any sport or any part of your life. If you had a bad coach telling you that that shot was terrible, and then you get it in your head that. And you bring it forward to the next hole or to the next shot, right? And all you're thinking about is that let you you hooked it, you sliced it, yep. it's in the woods, it's in the water, you know. I do that. If you're co and then you are, have a coach in your head, or you have a coach telling you how terrible you are, and oh my god, and you're bringing that forward to the next thing, you're setting yourself up for exactly the same thing, if not worse. Yep. It's it's going to produce itself. Because the practice of the negative or the practice of the narrative that's not healthy or toxic to your own brain that you're telling yourself is just right there. So I always say to people, would you keep that coach? And people are like, no, I'd fire them. Right. Yeah. So you have to, it's a, you have to fire that voice in your head that continues to tell you that you can't, you're not good enough. You won't, it's not going to happen. You're going to mess up again. But you have a short you have to have a short memory right yeah. you have to you have to be able to i say this loosely let it go let it go doesn't mean let it go let it go right <laughs> yeah. and it means accept what was and now move forward so i think that in psychology we get a bad rap for saying forget it let it go that's not what that means i'm very descriptive when i tell my patients let it go let it go doesn't mean forget. Let it go means you just have to accept what is because you can't change that shot. You can't change that yep. your foot got hurt. You can't change that you ended up in the medical tent. You can't change that you don't know what you're doing in geometry. What you can do is you can take the next step in your planning process to get it better if you want to. Or you can shift goals. Or you can change goals. Or you can reestablish something different. So that's why a couple of weeks ago I talked to you about like always have in life, A goal, B goal, C goal. So, and you have to know them so you can go right to that immediately. So you have a quick shift, which is what I had to do on Monday. I had yep. to shift quickly, but I knew because I had, I had all the way to D and E goal to make sure. And always the goal was to finish. So that was the main goal, but how I got there was in the planning of those different steps. So it's kind of like if you have a student who's struggling and is a C student, and they want to be not your parent, but they want to be a B or an A. They don't just do it by osmosis. You have to teach them how to do that. And that's one of the things about coaching in life or parenting in life or, or employers. They'll say, go do this and do it better. That is not helpful. Yeah. It's how do you instruct someone with detail how to do it? Like run faster. Yeah. You know, okay. Well, how does that help me? You know, get the get the puck to the goal faster. Okay. Yeah. How? Um, you know, so really being able to have good mentors, good coaches, good friends, good whoever it is in your life to give you that feedback and that uplift to say, here's what you do, or here's what I know to do, or here's what so and so who's in the field does, so that you have a plan in place to get your head right. Because that's really about getting your head right so that you feel confident yeah. enough to be able to implement it.
that makes all the difference. On the yeah. baseball show, we're talking about at this point in, in the season, you, you're walking up the home plate and you've got a two-story video screen in center field telling you your batting average is 0.43 for the year. Right. And there's a couple ways you can go with that. You can linger in that and just continue it. And how many times do we see athletes in that situation? They have a two-home run game or they have a four-hit game and just snap out of it, just change their whole mindset. Right. The mindset is the big difference between player performance. Right. And it, it we're using athletic analogies, but it translates to life as well. Yes. You, you've got to let the, you can't change the past. You've got to kind of let it go. And I, again, cliche, but there's a reason. Well, and so it's the, it's the thing about when I just do relationship work, it's, it's letting go of the past, letting go what you can't undo. Yep. You cannot go back in the past and undo. You can't forecast and catastrophize the future because you have no control over right. it. And so that, that past thing is the hopeaholic, you know, you've heard me now recently talking about, you're a hopeaholic if you can if you're holding out hope that something in the past is now going to change yep. or something right now is going to change that you know hasn't changed at this point but you're just hoping somehow by osmosis it's going to nothing changes without a plan nothing changes without putting a different foot forward in a different way if you keep going up the same 10 flights of stairs and stubbing your toe on the third stair what are you going to do different that stops you from doing that. There's like five different things. You could jump over it. You could walk around it. You could run. You have to be like, okay, what other things can I try? So I stop doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, you know, the definition of insanity. Because I think that, and I relate this to the pandemic because I've seen, I've seen a lot of this and I, and I definitely saw a lot of it in my running crew who I trained this year for this particular marathon. Um, the mindset, because I, I relate it to the pandemic, changed. People became incredibly complacent. Um, not everybody, but there was a complacency of they lost their hunger for improving or being because it, it's like, well, you didn't have exposure. You didn't have anything social. There was nothing to do to have to be that way. Right. And uh, such a small period of time went by, even though it felt like forever, two years or two and a half years. Um, I, I, I see a lot of that. People got really stuck in the rut of all of a sudden they didn't have to lift themselves up. They didn't have to be lifted up. They didn't have to have exposure to anything. There were no, there were no goals to reach. You know, everything right. was virtual, you know, it's not the same, <coughs> excuse me, as in person. So that's a big change. And I think that that has impacted the mindset ability of a lot of people, especially kids who, you know, we're like in middle school and going into high school and there's a big transitional time of like workload and expectation and all that. I've seen in the last six months since we've really started coming back more and more that has changed where kids don't want to do the work because they hadn't had to do the work. So they got out of the habit. So now they're in this complacency mode of like, Oh, that's so much. But that was, uh, that's the uh, peak of a trend that's been going on for a while. Kids rise or fall to expectations. So you have to be careful. It's okay to put expectations on them. Obviously not unreasonable ones, but it's okay to place expectations on them because they'll, they'll rise to meet them. Right. But unfortunately we've got into the, everyone gets a trophy, you know, it started there and it goes and it gets into the pandemic and it's like, well, you can't really do much with school because you know, school is the way it is. So you're not expecting anything of them. So what are they trying to accomplish? Right. They're only, they're, they know you're not going to hold them to any level of expectation. Right. Well, and, and I think the and same basically goes, the expectation is just show up on the zoom classes. Well, and yeah. I think the same goes for the teachers in that way too, because yeah. the expectation, I, I mean, I can't believe how many stories that I've heard over the past two years of 
teacher's not showing up for the class. The class is sitting in the Zoom room with nobody. Uh, you know, everyone's allowed to keep their screens off. Like I teach on Zoom now, uh, still on occasion. Everyone's required to have their Zoom on unless they have a real excuse of like why they can't have it on because I want to see everyone engage. It's hard because I try to engage, as you know, yeah. heavily in that because I know that that piece is sitting there because expectation, um, reasonable, rational, and realistic, my three R's, right? They have to have an expectation always set in front of them so that there's something to shoot for yep. because then if you don't have a purpose, it drops off. So what's your why? What is your why? Why yep. are you doing this? Why are you going to school? Why are you running a marathon? You know, why are you coming and doing this show? Why it's everybody has to have their why. And so um, what I've seen is that when people lack the why or they really, or they have a why, but it's not really on point and it's too scattered or too disorganized, they don't do as well. Yeah. And then it makes it, then it's like, that's where you see dropping out. You know, you see giving up, you see people quitting. I see people like saying, I don't want to work. That kills me. Well, if there's no expectation or the expectation is vague or there's no why or there's no purpose, mm -hmm. what are you showing up for? Right. You know, this just, there's no, there's no point in showing up for it. Right. Well, and, and I think that, you know, you, you see a lot of people and you see this with money management, like, oh, I, I go to work to make money to spend it. But then you don't have anything you're saving for. Yeah. And if you're saving for something and then you make money up to the point where you save for it and then you spend it all and then you have to start over. That's that's like starting. I like I liken that to you're in the middle of a marathon and you completed the half. You got what you wanted because you completed the half. And so you, you, you got it. And so you went back to the beginning because you were like, yeah. I'll start over. And you know what generally happens is you get that thing that you desired that you were spending for and it doesn't do the trick for you. So you lose the motivation to continue to to improve your monetary situation. And that and that exactly. And that yeah. and that speaks to the instant gratification piece, which is so many people, and this is another pandemic change I've seen, is the instant gratification is I want what I want when I want it more now than I've seen ever. Yeah. I, it's it's well, I, I got that wrong. and I, I'm not gonna want anything else, yeah. Lou, after I get this. But I got it. And now, right. well, yeah, I said that two weeks ago, but now I want this. Yeah, because they believe that's the answer. And this goes back to well, internalizing. Yeah, well, it turns into internalizing or externalizing your happiness. Right. Or your purpose. Right. And you try to control things you can't control. You're passing it off to external because you know what happens is if you take it on internally, mm -hmm. you take responsibility for it. And no one wants to take responsibility for their own situation, for their own outcomes. It's right. too much. Right. So external, so it's self-soothing behavior, mm -hmm. buying things to fulfill you, eating for fulfillment. I'll lose weight tomorrow. I'll get this thing. It'll make me feel better. I'll buy the clothes, whatever it is. It's just fulfill, 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 instead of being like really working for it. That's why the metaphor of, of the marathon is you really have to be dedicated because if not, you're, you can walk the whole thing. <laughs> Cause you didn't train or you can really train and put it all in and you're going to get to that spot. Whereas to your point is if you do eh, a little bit and you expect a little bit and you hope that somehow something else is going to carry you and it's just going to happen by osmosis, it just doesn't work. And I think the trend is that I've seen that more and more in my practice for people, not everybody, but for sure. people just wanting it to happen for them and getting frustrated that why isn't it happening? Well, cause you're not putting the effort in. 
And that was already there before, but now I feel like it's there even more psychologically. Do they ask why it's not happening or do they say it's not happening because of this? And it's usually well, something I get both. external. Yeah, I get both. And it's, and it's, uh, I'm making sure I'm saying it's always external. It's like always because of, well, it's this or that didn't happen yeah. or, you know, um, tomorrow I'll do it because today this is what happened. Right. I, I see this with, we go back to weight loss a lot, you know, the, Weight loss is a marathon yeah. for people. Like if you're 10 pounds over, that's not the same thing. But if you're, you know, 50, 60, 80 pounds overweight or more, that's a marathon. And people get very discouraged because they can't self-soothe. You know, over overweightness is self-soothing behavior yep. many times. And it's like, well, just this one time I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have rice and noodles and, and a dumpling. And okay and how do you expect to lose weight after that well tomorrow i won't have any of that yeah all that that adds up that's like running a marathon well i only did five miles this week and i expect to run 26 in eight months if you're doing five miles how are you going to do that you're never going to be able to do that just like food if you're going to eat that every single day but oh tomorrow i'm going to have a protein Yep. And not realize it takes forever for it to catch up so that your body knows what to do with it. So it translates over to the next thing. You know, it's like accumulating math skills, accumulating foreign language skills, accumulating relationship skills. Yep. You can't just have a great relationship without working at it. And some days it's great and some days it's not. And you have to be able to look at it and go, oh, that's why it's not working. Well, you could have easily, with the geometry example, you could have easily just passed it off to the teacher. Right. And say, I didn't accumulate this because of the teacher, but you weren't satisfied with that. You took personal responsibility. Right. I can do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a problem, but I can do this and right. go back and do it. Do it. Handle what you can control. Right. And, and I knew that like the, in the geometry example, I knew that under her tutelage, there was no way because she wasn't going to allow for it. And I couldn't get my head around it because of the way that yep. she taught it to us as females. But I knew I wanted it. But you didn't sit on the couch and live with that. You, you took control of the situation. Right. You know, you had control over the situation, Got an, took another course, got another teacher and yep. accomplished it. Exactly. Yeah. And I had such a, and, and so that's your why. And I think that people just give up because they have a bad experience and it's because, well, the teacher was bad. And that's that internal versus external locus of control. Yeah. If if you do well, you are very likely as a human being to go, I did the work. I'm amazing. I, I, I. When you don't do as well, human nature often goes towards, well, it's the teacher's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the parent's fault. It's because I didn't do this right. or But it's not because of, right. like today I came in, I'm like, I need, I need to switch my shoes. I need to do different stuff to my feet. I need to make sure that I'm like on point with this. I need to take the time to do it. I not, well, somebody else's fault. Yeah. It was the weather. No, it wasn't. Nope. It was me. All me. Yeah. And that's hard for people to sit with because people don't like to admit that they have to take responsibility, they don't take responsibility. and accountability to, to make a change for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot. You know, I want to lose weight but I don't want to do any of the work to do it. I say I want to, but tomorrow. Yep. You know, that's okay. So, so, so it's just a ton of, it's just a ton of excuses and everything's external. We, we pass off. First of all, we don't realize the amount of control we have over our own outcomes. Right. We don't realize how that actually works, our own control over our own outcomes. And then we don't want to take on the responsibility. Right. Because we're living in the past and have had so many failures. We're up 50 pounds. 
you know, that's a ton of failures. You don't want to face that. You don't want to take responsibility for that. Well, then you blame it on something else. Like, well, you know, I had a bad time in my life at this point and, you know, and I couldn't do any, I couldn't do anything about it. That's not true. Or as we've talked about, oh, genetics. Genetics, No, no, no. This applies to everything. Yep. Yeah. No, it's all, and it comes down and this is about the marathon as well. It's choices. Every step forward you make, every single one, every step counts, every second counts because you're making choices. What's your next choice? Where's that choice leading to? Every choice is hard. And I say this to my patients all the time. You have two choices, typically. You usually have more, but I always come down to you always have two choices. They're both hard. One choice is going to lead you to a really great outcome or a really good outcome, but it's going to be hard to get there because it's going to take work, like losing weight, yeah. right? Yep. Or you have a choice to to stay heavy or obese and keep doing what you're doing. That's actually hard too. That's hard work because you're putting your body under tremendous strain and you're making a choice to become a walking heart attack. Yeah. And people don't think that all choices are hard, but you have to make the one that's going to end in your favor. But people will go <clears throat> to the one that they know, which is quitting, giving up, externalizing, externalizing, like saving oh the, the way. You know, I heard ego. people say yeah. they went to the medical tent this week because of because of the the weather. I, that's fine. Anyone can do whatever they want. But I think that if they, and I'm not knocking anyone that went to the medical tent because there are lots of people that had it was hard out there, yeah. right? So and certainly I could have ended up there as well. But it's just a matter of like okay. What do you do with your mindset to get yourself to the next thing? Is it that you give up because it's something outside of you or do you give up because you really had something? And that was my thing. It's like, if my foot becomes so painful that I think I'm going to injure myself further, I'm stopping. Yep. But that kid you talked about, think of it. He's trained for this marathon. He's been in the medical tent. He's within three miles of finishing and he still wants to quit. quit. It's amazing. You yeah, could, that's when his father, his father ran. He you, you've come 18 running on, miles. Like, you've trained for a year. You, yep. I mean, it's just amazing. Yep. And he, and that's all his dialogue was with me was, I just want to quit. And I kept saying, there's no quit. I said, you've got to stop. And now this is him chirping in my ear. Yeah. On my dialogue going, there will be no quitting of yeah. me. Like, cause my whole mantra was go fast, walk fast, get there, get there, get there. While he's chirping in my ear. I just want to quit. I just want to yeah, quit. Yeah, but I bet that powered you. As it, it did. Some people oh, it could did. Have, some people it could have drained them, but I yeah, bet no. it powered it, you. It, yeah. Well, it, it did. And then I ended up I ended up getting past him. Like, I pushed ahead of him, even walking. Because it's like, kind of the devil on your shoulder, and you're seeing how you're seeing the ridiculousness of how it sounds. It's right. Like, no, I'm here. Right, because he couldn't. Yeah. Because he was trying to justify, you know, human psychology of this is he was trying to justify himself into having me agree with him that, yeah, you should yeah. quit. And I was like, I'm not going to do that for you. Like, you want to quit? You quit. And I've never run a marathon. I'm not going to knock him. But Right. Exactly. His his race, his pace. And um, that's his mindset. And he finished. (laughs) And at the end, I was like, you finished. And he's like, I'm never doing this again. I said, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But you finished. And how proud of you. And he's like, yeah. And then he came back with, yeah, but it wasn't a good time. I said, time is of no matter. Really? You finished. Yeah. And I said, you, and he, and he was still talking and his dad was like, you finished. I said, you finished one of the hardest marathons in the whole world. So what? That it was over six, a little over six hours. So yeah. what? People are funny. You what? People are funny. I know people yeah. are. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so I'm getting ready to wrap up the show. But um, again, so so first off, um, uh, thank you for everybody that supported my wonderful fundraiser. And a winner was picked mm -hmm. live and I saw, I yeah. did it on Saturday night. And it was Kelly and Lee Fox won the option to have $2,500 um, or their choice of a Peloton. I won't tell you what they opted for because that's their business, yep. but, but they won and they were great supporters and that's awesome. And then subsequently some other prizes have been dropping out and then there's going to be more prizes still to come from the Patriots who have offered out prizes for all the people that donated for me, but I've also had other prizes and I've given out some things as well that are, are still in the shoot that I picked for. Um, so uh, yeah, and it's great. And it was, um, I'm actually, I'm actually $500 shy of $10,000. So if anyone's listening and would <laughs> like to close that gap, they can go to my give and gain page um, for the New England Patriots Foundation. They can see that up there. And if you want to drop that last $500 in, that's fine. I'm already at my, I already made my minimum, but you know, yep. that would just give a little extra to the wonderful charity that I do run for. And um, yeah. So uh, thank you guys all for the well wishes that I got over the weekend and into this week. And I know I haven't gotten back to everybody because you know, it's, it's well, been a week. It's a yeah. lot of busyness. So I will definitely get back to you guys and um, thank you all for tuning in today and having a great time and go out there and set your goals, A, B, C, D, and keep going forward and don't externalize and blame it why you can't do it. Go get them. Take responsibility for your outcomes. That's right. Yep. Right. All right, you guys have a great week.